episode 385 after the whistle presented by Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. Going to try to be a little more positive today. A little more positive. How about someone tweeted our show yesterday, Riv, and they said, first show back of the new year and ATW just comes out throwing axes. <laughs> yeah. We'll throwing axes. I think we were just catching up. <laughs> It's not right. our fault. There's not anything good to talk about or positive things to talk about. Although I will say history was made last night in the hockey world. Any idea what that is? You want to take a shot at that? Say that one more time. Let me, history, let me, give me... Hockey history was made last night in Canada. Why? Hockey history was made last night in Canada. Why? Um, okay. I'm thinking I read a bunch of articles this morning. Um, um, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid is one of the fastest players to reach 900 points. Fifth fastest. Yeah. Fifth fastest. Okay. That's what, that that's it? what, no, that's not. It has actually okay. nothing to do with Connor McDavid. Can't hold a candlestick to this. Wow. Okay. 900 I... points in however many games does not equate to an entire new league for women's hockey. Yes. Last night was the grand opening yep. of the PWHL's inaugural season. And I will just say that I'm pretty sure if I'm doing the math here properly, the first PWHL goal ever scored was scored by Buffalo's own Haley Scamara. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So they played last Good night. For it, was, her. it was the first for game. Her. It was Montreal versus Ottawa. And there are six teams, Minnesota, Boston, Toronto, New York, and games continue tonight. And then they have a game Friday. So um, congratulations. That's been, I remember we had Jana Hefford on. God, it must have been a year and a half ago. And she, I mean, she's been working on this for years. Well, a lot of people have. Shouldn't just put Jaina's name into the mix here. But there have been a lot of women and men who have been trying to pioneer and, and spearhead this, this hockey league for the women. The, the WNBA has been going for a bunch of years now. And it was just a matter of time before something was done. For women's hockey now where yeah. it goes from here can't tell you but there was a record crowd i think for for uh, a canadian attendance last night uh there's over eight thousand people i believe so quite a quite a night and and did you happen to catch any clips of, yes. of yes, any of the game yes um i watched some videos on it and um the first thing that comes to mind is are they allowed hitting in women's hockey now because these women were cranking each other all over the ice like full bone body body checks like i mean big body checks so it's interesting that you say that about the body checking because i'm looking over the rules and one of the things there are some differences they have a three two one point system okay so it's almost like they're adapting some of the or adopting some of the ideas that have been tossed around for the NHL 
to kind of get the point system fixed, whether you believe in three, two, one or ties or whatever. But so explain, ex- explain to me the three, three, wins, two, one. three points three. for a win. Regulation wins two points for victories that come in overtime and shootouts and one for the loss. Okay. So three, two, one, zero. Um, the other rule that is interesting, and I'll get to the body checking shorthanded goals. One of the more, one of the more unique rule additions is what happens when a shorthanded goal is scored. According to rule 16, when a goal is scored by the team on the penalty kill, whichever penalty has the least amount of time remaining will be terminated. Interesting. So you're almost penalized for scoring a shorthanded goal. You know what I mean? I don't think I don't understand what you just kind of said. I'm just kind of going on. So basically, it. in layman's terms, they say it right here. In layman's terms, if you score a shorty, you go back to even strength. So if you're shorthanded and you and I have you a power score play, a shorthanded goal, the you, penalty that you're killing off now go, now is gone. You so now this go will to give an strength. emphasis on teams playing aggressive while down a player which will lead to more scoring chances both for the team on the power on the power kill and the squad with the player advantage. Sure. This okay. rule is also being tried out in the Champions League in Europe. Okay, so body checking. Yep. A very aggressive move sees the league allowing body checking. For most of the history of women's hockey, body contact has been allowed but not body checking. So there's a bit of a difference, like so angling somebody off into the boards. You know what I mean? But there's a difference. Like a, be, it's like there's a difference between a body check and a hit. Absolutely. A body check is is the intention of of basically el- eliminating someone from the puck. A hit is like you're trying to blow them up. Body contact is leaning on somebody in the corner, maybe giving them a nudge. A hit is where it's like they're coming down the boards. You can step up and train wreck them. Yeah, and you're not like looking basically to gain you can do a, control of the puck. You're looking to make a body check. Which I think will add a tremendous amount of viewers to this. Because it's there think about this. This is like this is the first time ever that this is allowed. Oh my god. You can't tell me there's not going to be headhunting going on out there. There was listen, I, I I'm just reading over the rules for the PWHL and and body checking is allowed. And I'm gonna tell you, it was very apparent that these women were out to hit each other. There was no just kind of like little rub offs in the boards. Like there was hits. There was there was a lot of them. The game the game has changed for the women. It ha- it has to. I mean, you have to make it more appealing to the audience. And what the audience wants is aggression. Hockey is an aggressive sport, period. And the women have always played with aggression. They just haven't been allowed to take it to this line yet. I'm looking forward to seeing how they manage this because we're going to see some injuries. There's a lot of players that are playing. A, it's, it, it's new for everybody. I mean, do you think, like, listen. Hillary Knight is going to be coming across the middle and some defenseman is going to step up and absolutely destroy her. Maybe, maybe. I'm using Hillary Knight as an example. Hillary Knight is huge. 
She was just she's named a the big, name. big woman. She's a big uh, woman hockey player. Well, I was just using her as an example because she was, was just wrong, wrong, wrong captain of the. Yeah, wrong girl to use because she's. Uh, I remember looking her up. She's like six feet tall, one hundred and seventy pounds, one hundred seventy-five pounds. She's a very strong, powerful woman. Okay, maybe she was a bad. Now there's other, there's other, you know, there's other women. It's just like it's the same as men's hockey. There's some huge, huge men hockey player in the NHL, and there's some smaller guys. Where 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 this is going to be interesting to watch is a lot of these women hockey player have grown up with not playing hockey with body contact. So how are you supposed to have your head up and play the game to protect yourself when you've never had to protect yourself? Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, oh, absolutely. It's right. That's where you're trying to prepare. It's like trying to prepare a kid for 13 new hockey. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, there's a lot of these women. I would say a large majority of these women played most of their hockey throughout their, their young, uh, youth hockey played with boys. I would say, I would say, man, I would say all of them. I, Yeah. And, and, and when you hit 13 years old, there is body contact. And I would imagine the majority of the women that are in the PWHL played with boys all the way, all the way up, probably to the age of 15, because there's a really big change in young boys at 14 and 15 years well, old. When does they contact go start? Isn't it 13? 13. These women that are playing in the PWHL were elite, super, super high-end hockey players of of their age group. They they couldn't play with with their they couldn't play with girls because they would have completely dominated. They a lot of these a lot of these women were extremely, extremely good hockey players playing with boys. Like I I've over the course of my coaching career um, down at the Junior Sabres, it, you know, I've coached against um, girls that play on, on boys' team. And let me tell you, some of those girls, they're meaner than the boys. They grow early. They're a lot bigger at age 11, 12, and 13. Boys start to grow around 12, 12, maybe, maybe 13 years old where the girls are growing a lot earlier. They're strong. They're big. They're aggressive. And they, they play with the boys as long as, as long as they possibly can until just physical genetics takes over where they're going to get hurt. You can't have a, you can't there. I have not seen a girl play 15U hockey as a ho- as a player a, a goaltending's different okay goaltending's different just like there's um a female goaltender here in town um that that plays uh and or, you know Quentin Musty's uh sister Michaela she's been playing with the boys for m- basically her entire life she's now 15 she's 15 years old 
isn't goalie granted shots and all that stuff, the power of the shots and, 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 but isn't goalie a little bit different than playing defense or forward? Yes, very much so. Very much so. I don't think, I don't think, um, you know, now, like they tried now this girl here in Buffalo, Michaela Musty is still having success. She's still playing very well against top end, top end 15 year old boys from Ontario in the United States. She's playing against the best and she's still able to play and have success. Now, there i have not played a team this year or know of a team that has a girl playing 15u hockey because i don't think that she can handle the physicality if she gets hit she's going to get hurt that's why i was just saying i think goalie might be a little bit a little it's, bit it's, different. it's a little bit different but um but that's probably the only position where you could do it because there's no possible way i watched that marley's game that you guys played there's no way there's if I had a daughter playing and and she was big enough, strong enough and good enough to play against at that level, there's not a fucking chance in the world. I put my daughter out there. These girls are super elite high end hockey players that have played probably with boys at the highest level their entire lives until the age of probably around 14 years old. And then they would probably go, Probably those elite, you know, 15-year-old girls would go and play against, the. they would go and play against women, but the women are going to be 18, 19, and 20. Yeah. So exciting for girls hockey, exciting for women's hockey. Definitely wa- did not watch the game, but certainly watched some clips. And I, I, like, my eyebrows were like, what the heck is going on? This is more physical than a Sabres game. Yeah. They were cranking well, each you- other all over the ice. When you think about um, women's hockey and pioneers in women's hockey, who do you think? What's the first name that comes to mind? Haley Wickenizer. Yeah. Without like she is, she is the, for me. She was playing um, against men in, in Europe. I believe she went and played in a European she, men's Division league. three, division three men's hockey in Europe, which is, which is insane. And uh, for me, um, Cami Granato. Um, who is with obviously the United States and Haley Wickenheiser for me were the, were the women that, that stood out. And well, yeah, uh, Angela I, James. Love, I remember Angela James back in the day, but she was before Haley Wickenheiser. Hulan yeah. uh, is, is but, another one. Um, they're all, they're all older and, and maybe not listen, necessarily my up, age, but I grew up when, and, um, followed Brianne Jenner, one of the greatest Canadian women's hockey players to ever play. She's captain of uh, the Ottawa team. And, yeah. you know, her father and my dad worked together for years at Ridley College, Dave Jenner, and he was a very good hockey coach himself. I remember Dave Jenner going to tournaments. She was playing on boys' team. And, in fact, you know, Brianne Jenner is a reason why Ridley College women's hockey was even ever put on the map. I mean, they had a team. And it was started by somebody else, but she was really the first player to ever play there that that was of any kind of significance. So, you know, listen, it's a big moment. It's definitely worthy of conversation. Congrats to them. Teams never give away information on injuries. Upper body, lower body, that's it. But the attorneys at Salino Law, 
have a lot to say about dealing with injuries. If you're in a car crash and you have been injured, call Salino, 800-555-5555. Who doesn't love a great pregame meal? You're in luck. Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino has the Buffalo Sabres home game dinner special. Available on home game days, Wednesday through Saturday, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Three-course prime rib dinner special, 50 bucks a person at Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. You were mentioning another record, though. Last night, Connor McDavid was, what, the fifth fastest player to 900 points? I think he was the fifth. Uh, the fifth player, um, to get 900 points. Can you believe Connor McDavid has 900 points? And how many games has he played? 600 and something. I think I want to say it was like 650 something games. 600, no, 602. Yeah. Okay. 602 games, 900 points. So, so Connor McDavid, uh, he made history last night because he was um, obviously pursuing, you know, a thousand points and how how long that's going to take him. But uh, Connor McDavid had five points last night. Do you remember how remember how difficult the start of his season was? They were second worst team in the league after what fifteen games? Yeah, he was not performing. He was under a point a game, I think. He was, well, he was injured. Let's give him a little bit of leeway. Um, he was under a point a game. And now I think he he sits uh, 50 points. You're going to have to look that up. But um, I think he, points, 53 points. I think he's what? Fourth, fourth in, in NHL scoring. And he's 10 points behind the leader. You, do you think McDavid leads the league in scoring this year? 100%. He has slow well after last night, but he just slowly crept up. And I think at last night he was sitting at like eight or nine. And then he has that game. He has what five yeah, points. five points. So then so now where is he? Fourth, you said, fifth? He's sitting third. Third. <laughs> like the guy, the guy is for me, and this is undeniable. Like I I I truly believe this. Um that Connor McDavid is the best player to ever put on skates i i truly truly believe this is no disrespect to mary lemieux it is no disrespect to, to none to, of them could to, skate uh, this fast gordy howe or no. or wayne gretzky why do you even feel you have to say i that? i feel like i have to do that because people people live in different eras people fans live in different eras so when they're sitting there going how how dare you disrespect gordy howe how dare you disrespect Bobby Orr? How how can you disrespect um, Wayne Gretzky? And I'm not disrespecting those players. They were clearly, and I mean clearly, the greatest of their of their generation and of their era. Gordy Howe, Bobby Orr, um, you have a you have a Wayne Gretzky slash asterisk beside Mary Lemieux because there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people to think the Mary way Lemieux I, was is, well, the way is better it, than Wayne Gretzky. Well, the way I do it is I say which player's game could translate to today because today's game is the best product we've ever seen on the ice ever. When it comes to top to bottom, skill, speed, all of it, 
2023-24 is the greatest hockey's ever been. Has the greatest players in the league top to bottom. So I guess the Who question would you take? is Well, you have Out of the to four see, guys I named. Well, which players there's there are there are very few players that I think could translate over to today's game and actually be a star. Are there players that could translate over and still play? Yes. Are there which players could you translate over and they would be absolutely stars? How do you think Bobby, Bobby Orr, Orr would do in today's game? Bobby Orr for sure. He's Paul just... Coffey, Mike Gartner, Pavel Bure, Eric Lindros, Mario Lemieux, Steve, Steve Eisenman, Joe Sakic, Pat Lafontaine. Like I mean, those are but, all guys that skated back in the the eighties. I haven't said Gretzky. Nineties. I haven't said Gretzky. Okay. Why is that? It's an interesting conversation for me with Wayne Gretzky. No one will ever pass his points, but that does not mean that that you could have take you could take Wayne Gretzky from 1987 or whatever year it was, 85, 86 when he scored his 92 goals. Yep. And never take Gretzky at his peak, his peak and put him in the league and say that he would get 100 points. There's no chance he would. Okay. I, I And I don't disagree with that. The game has completely changed. Like, I mean, come on. We're talking a completely different um, so, so going depth back of to, player. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, I'm, that's why I'm saying to you, you're not wrong when you say Connor McDavid is the greatest, sorry, the most talented player to ever yeah. on yeah, okay. skates. He is not the greatest player. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I have to choose my words wisely. Yeah. Because, because yeah. Because it's it's like no, I'm going to get torn because, apart on because this. If he's the greatest player ever, and he's the most talented player ever. I'm going to tell you something that he's at serious risk of going he's, down in history as the most talented athlete in any sport to never win. If he does not win a Stanley Cup, whether it's in Edmonton or somewhere else, it is the equivalent, in my opinion, to Michael Jordan or LeBron James never winning a championship or Kobe mm -hmm. Bryant. And and there's still a lot of years left. And the Oilers could be trending in a very interesting direction right now with the expectations that were on them at the start of the season and where yeah. they're not where they're at now. They're one point out of a wild card spot and they were one of the they were dead last a month ago. Do you so, think it do you think it has to do with coaching? I can't I, say it, that for sure. Well, I can't it, say that for sure. How, how can you not say it? Who is well, the coach? McDavid, before? McDavid Who's is the coach. Before? Hold on. McDavid has dominated like this before several years. And he's had coach after coach after coach. So, you know, let's be honest, he wasn't performing. Coach gets fired. He starts performing. Team starts winning. Now, all of, I mean, does one go to the other? Did McDavid get his coach fired? I don't know. I'm not going down that path. All I'm, all I'm saying is Jay Woodcroft, okay, who was coaching the Edmonton Oilers, who the year before, last year, did a phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal job. They were, what, second in the in the Western Conference, but the, he started the season coaching this team to a three nine and one. 
Okay. They were clearly one of the worst teams in the league. They decide to make a coaching change. It's not because Jay Woodcroft is a bad coach. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with they needed a shakeup. You can't trade away three, four players that were not performing or five or six players. The easiest thing to do. And this has been happening forever is to change your change, the coach, change the leader, change the voice. You get a spark that can hopefully help your team go in the right direction. Now, now you look at their team and you think to yourself, was it the coaching change? Was that the reason why this team has gone from the 31st team in the league to now being a team that is, they're they're competing. They're hot. Competing for a playoff spot. Well, same can be said for a lot of coaches. Like, what's going on in Winnipeg? Did you see this coming out of Winnipeg this year? I didn't. I thought they were going to suck. I thought Connor Hallibuck was going to walk. I thought, you know, Blake. There Wheeler was talk was about him walking. Yeah. Shifley walking. Shifley walking. I thought they were going to. Picked up Alex Iafalo, who is an absolute fucking stud, by the way. Another Buffalo kid. Absolutely love Iafalo. Yeah, but here, here's the hold, hold on and pump the brakes on your Alex Iafalo, uh, you know, uh, parade here. You traded away one of the top young players in the game, Pierre Luc Dubois. So he gets moved out. You also have have conversations and and talks that one of the top NHL goaltenders was looking to test free agency. Mark Shifley, who is the leader of the team, the captain of the team, has been one of the top players on that team forever, is looking to walk. You had Blake Wheeler, who has been there for what, 10 years plus, who is a very good player. He he's, he's gone. You could see the Winnipeg jets going in a completely different direction and basically starting over, but they didn't do that. They were able to sign two extremely important pieces in Shifley and Hellebuck. And now all of a sudden you look at them and you're like, how are these these teams still on top? Well, here's a stat. Like, what are they doing? What are they doing? I'll tell you what they're doing. Here it is right now. And a lot of it has to do with Connor Hellebuck. Okay. Well, consecutive games allowing three goals or fewer in a single season. Consecutive games. The Minnesota Wild set a record for the most consecutive games with three goals or less in 14-15, and that was 35 games. The next best was the 2011-12 St. Louis Blues at 27. Remember how defensively sound they were? They yes. were a bastard to play against. Remember that? Yes, yes. I shouldn't say I wasn't even in the league, but but I was covering the league, and they were. I would have thought they had a better chance of winning the Stanley Cup back then than when they did. Um, the Blue Jackets in 1920, 
had 25 games without allowing three goals or fewer. The Winnipeg Jets are at 26 games this year. 26 games in a row allowing three goals or less. Pretty easy to have a winning record when you have statistics like that's an analytical stat that I don't need to see anything. I don't need to see a graph. I don't need to see a pie chart. I don't need to see a fucking number. That right there, if someone told me that stat alone, I would say, what are they? First, second place? And they're in second place in their division. Yeah. Do you know where the 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 Sabres sit right now in, in goals against in the National Hockey League? Winnipeg's the fifth best team in the league. Uh, goals against in the National Hockey League? Can I guess uh, 30? Well, I'm going to quote you here, 31th. The light in, in the do, east. Do you remember when we were doing the show and you said the St. Louis Blues are going to be picking 31th? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm probably. Yeah. It's all right. Hey, it's man, all right. Slip, slip of the tongue. I've done some dumb shit too. Um, I wish it was just saying 31th. Where are they? 30th, um, 29th? You, you, in, in the east, you have the, the Columbus Blue Jackets have 144 goals against. And you have the Tampa Bay Lightning at 135. The Sabres are 132. The Blackhawks are 140. And the Sharks are 158. So the Sabres currently fit sit the sixth worst, no, fifth worst team in the NHL for goals against. Why do you think that is? Think it's because because of the goaltending? No, it's because you think it's because of the... they're soft in front of the net. They turn too many pucks over. Uh, they're poorly coached. Something's got to change. Like, Sorry listen, about I mean, that. does that? But, you know, I mean, I just uh, it, it's the philosophy of I think the coaching staff. It's the philosophy of the team how the Sabres want to play a certain style, a certain brand of hockey. I don't know. You may want to change your system because it ain't working. It's not working. What system could they play? They're playing the exact same system here is what they do in Rochester. What what is the, what does that mean? I mean, what is like, what do you mean? What does it mean? Like, what's what, see? I hear this system. I hear this system. I mean, I remember a coach would say, "We're starting the game. We're sending two guys on the forecheck. Two guys are going to go, and you know, one guy high, you know, D pinch D. I want you active on the boards, or yeah. D. I don't want you jumping down the boards until we need to try to generate some offense. Like they're." I don't understand why these D are free to do it all game long, every game. It should be at at certain moments where the defense jump. Like, yeah. I remember Lindy saying, D, we need you to activate. Now we need you coming down the boards to try to pinch that puck yeah. off a little sooner. 
because Lindy was in a very defensive minded system. That's he played so Jacques Lemaire. Very, so was Jacques Lemaire. Like, like, you know, we, we sit here and talk about systems. I mean, what once one, two, two, one, three, one, two, one, two. How many other variations of a system are there? Yeah. You know, like, Four check the puck. First guy in the puck, go fucking get it as hard as you can. Second guy, take away the boards. Third guy, middle. Or both guys yeah. on the puck. Like, you got to be a little more aggressive. Maybe the D has to help on the other side. I don't know. But these are all in-game adjustments. Stop me when I sound like a fucking moron, please. No, because, you're you're doing a good job right now. Because I don't understand what this team is doing in the defensive zone. How fucking hard is it? I can want I, you to stop think of the de- defensive zone. And think of it in four quadrants. Is there anybody listening that knows the game that's saying Peters is a fucking... No. Like no. an archaic, no. out of touch, no. this isn't how we play hockey anymore? Because if, if that's the case, I'll hang up the mic right now. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's pretty standard textbook coaching. Textbook. Yeah. Very simple. Worked for... for decades and many different eras. The Montreal Canadiens have been playing this way since the 50s. Everyone said the trap started with Jacques Lemaire and the Devils. Well, that started from the Montreal Canadiens when he played as a player. So I don't get it. I don't get what what when people say system, oh, we're just playing the system. What fucking system? Like the 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 in football, a playbook is like I don't even know. Tons of pages. The guy's got a fucking armband with 200 different plays. You got to know them, and it is what it is. But in hockey, it is so fucking simple. My biggest issue with hockey playing in the NHL was the speed of the game and the speed in which I thought it could think the game. It was two completely different speeds. One's a tortoise. One's fucking Ben Johnson on roids, okay? The game was Ben Johnson on roids. My brain was the fucking tortoise. That was the problem. I love the rant, but we're talking... Is that a rant, or is that just like fucking... We're just going to go back. We're going to go back. Well, here's the thing. You you say, um, for an example, when you have a team that is fifth worst goals against average, you have to ask yourself how, why, why are, why are there so many goals against? And it comes down to system. It really does come down to system. I honestly believe that. When you look, the, the NHL is a copycat league. When a team has success, you want to try and copy it. Okay, that's what that's what just teams do. So when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights who won the Stanley Cup last year, they did it in a fashion where you ask yourself, well, what what kind of team were they? Were they an offensive team? Yes. Were they a defensive team? Yes. Were they a tough team? Yes. So they had they had things. Were they well coached? Yes. Did they have yes. goaltending? Did they have goaltending? I don't know. Barely. Well, they had four guys Fucking that four played guys. throughout the season. But what I'm trying to say is like when you look at when you look at um the Vegas defense, okay, they don't have players on their defense core that are running amok like a rover all over the friggin' ice. They're not giving up 
two on ones and three on twos every single game. They're big, they're physical. You have Zach White Cloud, who's, you know, a big kid, 6'2, 220. You have the Nicholas Hag, who is his partner. This is their third defense pairing, okay? 6'6, 240. You have the top de- defense pairing in, in Alex Petrangelo. Alex Petrangelo has been a really good, solid puck moving defenseman for a very long time. Um, second power play guy, um, but very physical, very um, defensively responsible, 6'3", 215. You have Braden McNabb, guy that we had here in Buffalo, 6'4", 215. What is his game? His game is about defending. He's not about sitting there adding offense and and running up the ice and trying to produce points. No, what he does is he plays defense-first hockey. He moves the puck, and he defends, and he's very physical, nasty. He's got 16 points in 38 games as as a defender, plus nine. Their defense core. Now, the one player that I'm 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 leaving out, or I shouldn't be leaving out, is is Shea Theodore. Shea Theodore is basically probably their most offensive defenseman that they have. You know how many points he has this year? Eighteen. Eighteen points is their number one in twenty games. He's been hurt for almost half the year, so. He is a very good defenseman, but that is their offense. That is the guy that pushes the puck from the back end. All the other five guys, they're puck movers, and they're ne- they never allow two-on-ones. They never, their team does plays a system that they never allow three-on-twos. They don't beat themselves. They don't try and score goals. They score goals off what they're given by their hard work, their forecheck, their back check. That's what they do. They play the game the right way. Sit there. I watch the Sabres. It's like, it's, it's, it's like defensemen caught out of position. So many times there's so many lost battles in front of the net, in the corners with our defense core. Our forwards do not want to play defense, or I don't even know if they don't want to play defense. They're just not good at it. They don't um, see, they don't see what they should be seeing. And we have a lot of breakdowns, which translate into a lot of goals against. I mean, you, you had a statistic you're killing me, man. Hold on. You have, you had a statistic about what, what was it? Winnipeg 26 games in a row 20. with three games or less goals against. It's well, insane. have you gone over the Sabres? No, I don't even, I don't, I can't. Cares out of they thirty-eight look, they're, they're, games played, how many games have they have they had under three goals? It's just I mean I don't really want to do this to be honest with you. No offense, doesn't matter. They they've lost games, but I guess it's how you're losing games. That's that's my issue. It's how are you losing these games is is the concerning part when 
when you're the NHL is a very tough league. Very, it's a very tough league to win games. It's an it's a very easy game, easy league to lose. If you don't have the right system, if your players do not choose to buy into the right system, you will lose a lot of games. That's just the way it is. The Sabres right now are losing far too many games because they're playing a style that opens it they they play open free hockey. Did you see the video with uh Dion Dawkins and um who's the other football player number 4? Yes, Cook. Cook. What's his first the running name? back? Saw him at a restaurant by the way. He was uh he was sitting at a table and I was with my son, Brody, and we were just hanging out and Brody wanted to go say hi to him so badly. And I sat there and I was like, yeah, just let him leave him alone. He's sitting, he's having dinner, leave him alone. I said, if you want to say something to him, keep an eye on him. And if, when he stands up to leave, just run over and say, say hi, shake his hand. So anyway, great guy took the, took the time to say hi to my kid. Brody wished him luck, shook his hand, no picture, no autograph, nothing like that, which I thought was cool, but really good guy seemed like point is the two of them are watching the game together. Glass level. This thing was, uh, this video was awesome. Okay. It was absolutely awesome. And Dion Dawkins says they're moving up the ice too easily. Talking about the opposing team. Now this is a fucking guy that doesn't know anything about hockey. I shouldn't say anything, but it doesn't seem like he knew a lot about hockey, which was kind of the point of the whole thing. Okay? Yep. But he, being a competitor in a contact sport, I think he knows that you can tell when that puck is getting closer to the net, that's a bad thing. They moved the puck up the ice too easily. Now, if he can spot it, anybody can spot it. I got to stop you. Get I got to stop you. We weren't going to talk Sabres today. Now we're we're back at them already. We're back that, at them already. That's it. I'm done. I'm cutting down the conversation. Fuck that. I'm I'm sorry. They don't deserve. They don't deserve my emotions right now. Time now for Crash Course, presented by Salino Law. Car crash. Call Salino 800-555-5555. You sent me a tweet yesterday from Mike Harrington. Basically, Mike Harrington tweeted. Twitter never disappoints far too much celebration of the Oposo injury, which is utterly distasteful on a human level. On a hockey level, who leads the Sabres in goals since November 24th? Kyle Oposo with eight, a loss in the room and a loss on the ice. Is he hurt? Played 11 minutes against Ottawa. So pretty normal. Is that what he... About no, that's not, that's not normal. It's not? No, not at all. I mean, um, you look at his, you look at his season. He he's 14, 15, 16, 17 minutes a game. Um, you know, there's games that uh, that he he's probably averaging around 13, 14 minutes. The last two games that Seth Affert coached, uh, he played nine minutes. And 11 minutes. And uh, there was a point in time 
in the which I noticed in the Ottawa game that he was on the bench for quite some time. His line was on the bench for quite some time. And uh well, maybe anyway. that's a maybe that's a coach trying to run with three lines that he feels yeah. can, can yeah. get it done. I mean, he's not he's just coaching a little bit differently it seems like to me. Uh Seth Appert did. It seemed like he was going with the more offensive guys. I mean, what's so wrong with that? I don't understand. I I not saying I'm not that that that's that's coaching. Um and um Seth Ather will do what he wants to do, okay, and what he sees. It, it's his feeling that's on the bench. Um maybe trying to get the the more offensive lines on the ice more, blah blah blah. All that kind of stuff. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do the 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 con- when I had sent you, um, the other day or yesterday, um, just about something that Mike Harrington had put out because I agree one thousand percent with Mike Harrington about you know Twitter never disappoints. Far too much celebration over uh, Ocposo's injury. Utterly distasteful. Uh, on a human level, be better. Okay. And, you know, then obviously at the end of that tweet, he, he said, you know, on a hockey level, who leads the Sabres in goals since November 24th, Kyle Poso. So Kyle Poso has done a nice job. Um, you know, there's a lot of other guys that you can point fingers at. I'll tell you this. Right. I don't point, I don't point a finger at all at Kyle Poso. I think we are getting more out of him than I think what we expected. Yeah. So I, I guess think, I think fans who who view who view Oposo as as part of the reason that the team is in this position, I I, I think you got to kind of look elsewhere because here's a guy who isn't making six million anymore, is being paid two and a half million to babysit just an absolute colossal mess down there. <laughs> so. To be honest with you, that in itself is worth two and a half million. Now you're, not, you, you know, I went and watched that uh, the Montreal game. We were together. Thought yes. he was the best player on the ice. Yes, thought he was Flying. the best player on the ice. He was most physical. I mean, he has been playing. Probably he's been one of the more, the more physical, if not the most physical forward of the Sabers group, which is extremely sad and concerning at the same time. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it just seems like every time there's some physicality or there's anything on the ice that needs addressing, he's there. Um, he's not fighting, but he's there. And, um, you know, it, it uh, I feel bad. What am I going to say? I, I feel bad for him. I'm going to say that. Never feel well, bad for you a guy who's made forty plus million dollars. I get it. Never feel bad for a guy who's making two and a half million, but the circumstances for him are dog shit. I remember I had a great conversation with him last year, and you know, there were conversations about him being traded at the deadline to maybe go to a winner, and you know, he, he didn't want to go anywhere. He wanted to stay, he wanted to be part of the solution. He loved being the captain of this team. Very loyal. Very loyal man came back, and I think I think he had, I think he just had much different expectations as everybody did. But I, I, I just think he thought it was going to be really different this year. 
Yeah, you probably thought that the Kevin Adams would have uh, gone and picked up a number one goaltender, and he probably would have thought that he would have picked up a, a top four defenseman, and he probably would have thought that he would have picked up um, maybe uh, a fourth line center and a fourth line left winger instead of signing Tyson Jost and Gergensen. He probably would have thought that they would have done something to make the team better. Two million dollars for Tyson Jost. Two fucking million dollars. For Tyson I, I asked. Jost. I only asked a simple question. I asked like, a very simple question. How many teams in the league? How many teams back on when Tyson Jost signed his contract? Name me how many teams you think would have signed Tyson Jost to two million dollars? How many teams would have signed him to a one-way deal? It's my whole point. How many teams in this league would have signed Tyson Jost to a Kevin Adams jumps the gun and signs Don Granato. Kevin Adams. I mean, like, God, it's the more you, how many teams in this league would have signed Zemgus Gergensen to $2.5 million? How many? The answer is zero. He's making only two. He's making two five. Look it up. Kyle's making two five, right? Kyle's making two five. Gergensen's making two five. You don't have to look it up because I know. For sure, I, you know that. I'm, go I ahead, look it up, and then you can uh, be like, "Okay, Riz, you're you're right. Sorry about that, buddy." Yeah, yeah but you like that, so just let me do it anyway. You actually, you. you so I'm up. listening to Don Granado, and he's talking about how it's really unfortunate right now. Kyla Poso is now out of the lineup and we're getting back Gergensen. He goes, it would have been really nice to have both these guys in the lineup, you know, for the leadership. And I'm thinking to myself, what the, what the heck? Head scratcher. It's a head scratcher that if that's what you're relying on right now through tough times is getting back Zemgus Gergensen. Okay. I know Zemgus has played in this league a long time. He's a, and he is an NHL player and he would be a very good player on another roster. But how the fuck did Tyson literally rolled my eyes. $2 million out of this team. How? How, how did, did Zemgus Gergensen? How did Zemgus Gergensen get two five? How did Jost get two million? Like I how was, did listen, how did Connor Clifton go from a six slash seventh defenseman, a six slash seventh defenseman, in Boston, and sign for three point three million? I can totally understand um Eric Johnson getting 3.25 totally understand it he's 35 he's won a Stanley Cup he was a former first overall pick he's been in the league for a thousand years they need guys like him they need young players young sponge like players that are just taking in all of this information just by watching and being around guys like Eric Johnson he, it, it was like Craig Anderson it was just like watching having guys around Craig Anderson was very important for this young group. I can understand them giving 3.25, but how do you give Connor Clifton $3.3 million? 
What's even more mind-boggling is how do you give Zemgus Gergensen two and a half? Because there's nobody in the league that would have paid Zemgus Gergensen two and a half million dollars to play on their team. Well, here's what happened there. Here's here's I listen. I I said I was vocal. I thought Tyson two point, Jost two million dollars. I just about fell off my stool. I'm not going to go back and say that and pretend that I didn't say that Kyle at two point five was too much. And I remember. You know, saying you know, I look. Poso is the captain of your I hockey under, team. Yes, he is yes. insanely. I don't. I didn't need you to jump on me. You've already jumped all over this point in the summertime, and you've made your point, and I'm willing to accept the point. And that was, he's the captain of the team, um, and you have money to spend. So what's so what's it matter? And you know what? And I was like, fuck. I I guess so. I guess if you want to just give money away, that's it's the right guy to give it to. Zemgus maybe the same thing. Maybe it was kind of like, here's a little bit of a bone for all those fucking years that you had to put through, go go through that shit. And then Tyson Jost, I have no idea where that came from. That's just we're, because we're you about could, giving bones out. Is that what we're could, doing? We're well, about I, patting guys in the back and giving them two point five million dollars when he know, he's maybe. not the right. He was not the right player. That we need, we need energy, we need toughness. Zemgus Gergensen is the farthest thing from that. You could have taken your two five to Zemgus and your two million to Jost and given Hathaway four point five, and he still would have been worth it. I would have given Hathaway four, and I would have given Miles Wood whatever the fuck he wanted too. What was he making, Miles Wood? What's he making this year? I think he's making four something, isn't he? No, less oh, than he's that. making two point five million dollars right now. That's what he's making. Yes. Oh, fuck. I would have given both those guys four just to get him here. Hathaway's what three million? Miles 3. Wood. 3? Miles Wood signed for two point five million dollars. Oh my! God. For six years, though, I don't like the six years, but it just so happens that hey, it's interesting that um. The Colorado Avalanche, one of the greatest teams in the game, are paying two and a half million dollars and on a six-year deal for Miles Wood. Someone that we've been talking about for freaking four years on this show. I mentioned Garnet Hathaway, a six foot two, 220-pound guy who's tough as nails, who can kill penalties, add energy and toughness to your lineup. And he signed in Philadelphia. For two point three five million dollars on a three year deal, so how much are we doing? Three, two point three, two point two point three five. You can't tell me that you can't Jesus. go and say we'll pay you two five or two six to bring you here to Buffalo on a three year deal. But we're gonna bring in you the happy like, you're the overpay happy guy. Connor Clifton. We're gonna overpay Zamgas. We're gonna give fucking Tyson Joe's two million because he's not gonna ruffle any feathers. You know, you, <laughs> again, I don't want to be sitting there throwing gasoline. This is supposed to be a positive day. I guess this is kind of is positive day because the first uh, half of this uh, uh, podcast was talking about other teams, but now we're back to <laughs> Buffalo and I'm sitting there going, how is it even possible that you sign Jacob Bryson to $1.8 million a year? Explain that. Can no. you explain that to me? He extended Donnie Granado too, right in time. Donnie Granado, very deserving of the contract. He had another year left. I don't care. I don't care. Oh. Don Granado, very deserving of the contract. 
to what he's done up to this point and building building an environment and 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 all this kind of this this was the most broken NHL well, hockey organization seemed fixed before last year. He, seems like it's breaking again. It seems like it's breaking again. There is some there's something going on in that locker room. I don't know what it is, but there's something going on in that locker room. Maybe Maybe players just see the standard of certain players and what they're allowed to get away with and think, how are you going to yell at me for that? But you won't yell at him for that. How are you going to sit me for that? But you're not going to sit him. When your best player chooses at times to not back check, not hit, not make an effort, not even your best player, but your highest paid player at this particular juncture in time, you got a real culture issue. Yeah, because the young guys are watching it. That's it. Young guys are watching how hard certain players back check, certain players uh, choosing not to get into shot lanes. Um, you know, it it's it's very apparent that you're you're seeing a young group of players watching. They're watching to see what they can get away with. And right now, um, they're given the keys, yeah. keys to the to, castle. Hard to crack a whip as a coach when your players have the whip. That'll do it for Crash Course, presented by Salino Law. Car crash. Call Salino, 800-555-5555.